Okay, Genesis chapter 12 this morning. But before we go there, let's go to Genesis 11. <laughs> I want to start in Genesis 11. Um, I want you to get settled in. And I don't say that because I'm going to be here for an hour preaching or two or three. But I want you to get settled where you're at because that's the only settling that I want you to do this morning. Okay? I don't want you to settle for anything less than God's best for you. But I'm, I'm undeserving and I'm not worthy. Well, let's, let's understand that we will never be worthy, but because of His great love, He has given Himself to you anyway. Okay? And let's, be, let's get tore up about that. But let's just settle in the seat, and that's the only thing we're going to settle for this morning. Because what we do, people, what we do, church, and we do this all the time as we settle for less than what God has for us. We settle for less than God's best for us. Now, in terms of in this world and settling for less in this world, we settle for less all the time, don't we? Just last night, we, we went to get some food, and they didn't have what Sandy wanted. So she settled for something else. She didn't get her first choice. She had to settle for something else, and we do that in all sorts of things. We do it with food. We do it with phones. We do it with cars. We do it with clothes. We, we don't. We don't go for the best. We settle for less. Now, I'm not saying that we need to go out and de de demand the best in everything. I'm not saying that. But I'm talk trying to bring this to a spiritual uh, level here. We settle for less spiritually in our lives all the time. All the time. And we're not the only ones that did it either. It's all through the Bible. Take a look at Adam and Eve, if you will. Adam and Eve had a great setup. They had a beautiful garden to live in. They walked with God in the cool of the day. What a beautiful place. What a beautiful God. What a beautiful setup. And still yet, they thought, maybe this serpent has something. Maybe when he says that if we partake of this fruit that God says not to eat, maybe we'll get something that maybe God's withholding from us. So they were willing to settle for less and believe the lie that the enemy gave them instead of staying with the best that God had for them. And on down through the ages, we see it through the people in the Bible. We see it in Judas. Judas was one of God's chosen disciples. Again, a great setup. Got to walk around with Jesus. Got to see Jesus perform miracles. Got to spend time with the Son of God. What a great experience for him. And yet he chose to let it all go for 30 pieces of silver. He settled for less than God's best for him. And I do it all the time. I do it all the time. I, I have intentions of, of studying and getting more into the word. But instead, I've got to get this done and I've got to get that done. I need to pray People have asked me to pray for certain things, and i prayed about them, but I need to spend more time in prayer. But instead, I make a decision to do this, or I make a decision to do that. Well, William, what are you supposed to do? Keep your nose in the Bible all the time and keep your head bowed the rest of the time? Now, that's not what I'm saying, but there are times when instead of doing what I know is best and God's best, I make choices where I settle for less than God's best. So we all do it. Adam and Eve did it. Judas did it. 
I do it. You do it as well. We all do it. And in our scripture today, we're going to see another man that did it. And he was Abram's father. His name was Terah. Let's read about him this morning. In Genesis chapter 11, we're going to begin with verse number 31. And Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, And they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. And they came unto Haran and dwelt there. And the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will shew thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee. And make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. And as I read that, and as I see how Terah left with the intentions of going to Canaan, but instead stopped at at Haran and settled there instead, I think about how I have settled for less in my life than what God wanted for me. And I see how I have just set up comforts for myself where I'm at so that I can stay here instead of being where God intends for me to be. Because just like God told Abram, go to a land that I will show thee, He says the same thing to me and He says the same thing to you. When we decide to follow Jesus, he says, "Okay, if you're going to follow me, then go to a land, go to a place that I want to show you. And so when we begin this journey of following Jesus, the goal is always something better. I mean, we follow Jesus because we want our lives to be better. Because before Jesus, our lives were characterized by mindless sinning. That's all we could do. And it left us empty and broken and useless. And we saw our need for Jesus. And so we follow Jesus and we invite Jesus into our lives because we want something better. So the intentions of following Jesus is because he's offering something that is better than what we've had. And so we get that and we understand that. But at some point, it seems that instead of continuing on and and moving forward, we just kind of settle at a place and we become fixed there. And instead of going to what God has for us that's better, we just kind of stay where we're at. And we, like I said for myself, we we set up comforts where we're at and we, we get tired and we get disillusioned with the journey. And we just, you know, just kind of get tired of things and it gets hard and and, and I just kind of want to be able to coast for a while and, and not be all so Jesus-intensive. And, and, and I just it's just hard. Life is hard, and it's difficult for me. And so a lot of people, a lot of Christians die never seeing the land that God promised them. Now, I'm not talking about heaven, and I'll clarify that here in just a minute. But just like Abram was called to a land, he said, go to this land to which I call you. Each one of us 
is being called to a place and being called to a purpose that we were created for, and yet still we decide to sometimes fall short and not continue on and just stay where we're at and settle for less than God's best. And that's going to be a temptation for every follower of Jesus, every one of us. Now for Terah and for Abram, the temptation was both geographical and spiritual. You know, they could stay where they were at or they could move on. They could listen to what God said or they could not listen to what God said. You know, for some of us, it may be geographical. God may be calling us into the ministry. God may be calling us into, onto the mission field. Or God may be calling us to a job. So for some of us, that call may be, or that, the temptation to not go, what might be geographical, to not go to the place that God is calling us. But for all of us, there will be a spiritual temptation. And that's where I want to focus on this morning in the time that we have left. So it starts off like this. It starts off like this. You decide, you make a decision to ask Jesus into your life. That's how it all starts. And you don't do it. You don't invite Jesus into your life. You don't ask him in because you're really smart or because you're really good. That's not why you've asked Jesus into your life. You ask him into your life because, because God has revealed himself to you and you've responded to that. And that's grace, my friend. It's grace that God would even reveal Himself to you, show Himself to you, show you what He's done so that you can be a part of what He wants to do. That's grace. That He has done that for you. And it's because He loves you with a crazy, relentless kind of love and so he speaks to us and he speaks to us maybe in a storm that we're going through in our lives or maybe he speaks to us through a sermon or maybe he speaks to us through a friend that's sharing a testimony and through that we make a decision again we make a decision to invite jesus into our lives because we realize what our condition is we realize our condition is that we're separated from god and that needs to change. We want that to be different. And we want that to change. So we receive Jesus into our lives. And at that moment, we're born from above. And we are new creations. And we are brand new. New creatures in Christ. And so we begin this journey of following Jesus. And we begin to identify ourselves as a Christ follower. And I believe that's true of most everybody in here today. We identify ourselves as a Christ follower. And so then we're called by God to, to pick up and go to a place that He will show us. I've had several conversations, several sentences that I have said and has been said to me this morning. You just got to follow God. You got to go where God leads. You got to go where He guides you. So it makes sense that as we begin to follow Jesus, that He is calling us to go somewhere and to do something. It just makes sense. Pick up and go, just like He told Abram. But we do decide so much of the time to just settle for so much less. Because He has called us to Canaan. And for our purposes this morning, I'm not talking about heaven 
I'm not talking about that place where we're going to go because here's what I need you to understand and I believe you do, but I'm going to go over it anyway. That when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And you're going to go to heaven. Because that's a promise that he made. You said, I heard it. I heard from your lips that you said that God makes promises and God keeps promises. And he said that if we will believe in him, we will not perish, but we will have everlasting life. But, I, but for our purposes this morning, what I'm talking about is a place within our lives here on this earth that he is calling us to that we have fallen short of. And we're just okay with where we're at because we've decided to settle and just be okay with the way things are. We've decided to, like Terah, we've settled in Haran and we're not going on to that place, that place that he wants to take us to, that place that that He wants to show us more of Himself. He wants to show us more of what He has for us. He wants to tell us more of the things that we need to hear. You know, some of us just get stalled. You know, Jesus on the cross. Jesus died for my sins. I'm going to heaven. And boy, that's big, big, big stuff and important for every person that's here. But you know He's got more for you. He's got more to show you. He's got more to tell you. Because... Not only do we know that, but we also know that He's called us to love each other and to love Him with all that we have. And we've got to figure out what that means and how that's got to show itself in our lives. So we can't just stop and settle there at the cross and, 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 and just not let God do anymore, tell us anymore, show us anymore, take us anywhere else. He said, I will, I will show you. I will show you the place that I want to take you to. But here's the problem. We've stopped looking for that Canaan in our lives a long time ago. We stopped looking because we're comfortable with where we're at. We're content with where we are. We're not looking for more of what God wants to show us. We're not listening for more of what God wants to tell us. We're, we're fatigued and we're tired and it's been hard. And we just kind of want to just hang out a little bit. And I see that as what Torah did. But, but there's so much more that God has for us. And I want to I try to illustrate it in this way. It may be a little weird. Uh, but, but this is how the Bible explains it. And this is how the Bible shows it to us. I want to tell you that I believe God created romance where are you going with that William well you just took a you just took a, a turn over that way completely I believe that God created romance and I want you to think about this for just a minute because we're going to end up talking about the bride of Christ and that's where I'm headed but think about how when a couple gets to know each other and they begin to have feelings for one another and they love each other they just can't get enough of each other can they they just love to sit and sit and watch the other one just talk. And they can't learn enough about them. You know, all I want to do is watch you talk and hear you talk because I just love every I love everything about you. And and when they're apart, I know some of y'all are looking like you're weird, but you're not so far removed from those days, you know? And 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 some people uh, when they when they get together and then then they're apart for a little while, 
It's like all they can think about is when are we going to be together again? I can't wait to be with that person again because I love them so much and I just love being with them and I love being around them. And it's not just that way for new couples either. You know, there are people that, that have known each other for a long time and I think about people who have to go off into the military and leave and, you know, you're, you're separated for a long time. And what rekindles that love and that fire more than phone calls and letters and emails and tweets from that person that you love? And, and it just, again, you just can't wait to be together again and, and spend time together again. And there's just a, a yearning and a longing to be together. And see, that's the way. That God wants us to long for Him. And that's the way that God wants us to yearn for Him. And I have to ask myself, do I? Am I so all-consumed with everything else going on in my life that I don't long for God? And I don't yearn for God in this way? And we've talked about how great He is this morning and We've sung about how awesome He is, but do we long for Him? And do we yearn for Him in this way? And I tell you, we need to. Because it's that kind of love, that kind of yearning, and that kind of longing that will help you and me get through the desert times in this world and in this life. It will help us get through the difficulties that we have to go through. And... That's what helps us as we're on our way to that place that he is going to show us. He tells us, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Because he has a, a longing and a yearning for us as well. But for so many of us, we, we just stop short of that. And we're not willing to go there. And, and I, I, I liken that to the church at Ephesus that we read about in Revelation chapter 2. Verses 2 through 5. Listen to this. This about the church at Ephesus. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and hast found them liars and hast borne and hast patience and for my name's sake hast labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of, out of his place, except thou repent. Now, these are the words from Jesus himself. These are the words from the one that the church at Ephesus said that they followed. And he told them, he said, boy, you've done some great stuff, and he acknowledged that. And he was grateful for the things that they had done. But you know what he was concerned about? He was concerned about their love. He was concerned about their love. Why do you, why do you suppose that is? I want you to think about a car for just a second. Think about a car and how you need to take care of that car. You've got to get that oil changed. <laughs> you know that. We know that. Sometimes we let it go too long, don't we? And your car will still go, and it'll still run, and it may run well for a while. But eventually, if you don't change that oil, if you don't take care of that oil in that car, 
It's going to lock up and it's not going to perform and it's not going to do what it needs to do. Think, think about an athlete for just a second. Let's think about a runner and she's a good runner. But somehow through through life experiences, she has developed cancer. And yet she chooses to ignore it. She chooses not to get any treatment for it. And she's going to run for a little while. And she's going to do well. And she may even run some races and win some races. But eventually her body is going to fail because she hasn't taken care of it. And she hasn't treated it. And church, that's the way, that's the way that, that love is in you and in me. You know, you can do good things for the church. You can do good things through the church. You can do that for a little while. But unless my life and unless your life is characterized by that relentless pursuing love of God that we've talked about, then your love too, like the church at Ephesus, it will grow cold. It will go grow cold and when God calls you to a place, to a land that He's going to show you, instead of moving on to that place, you're just going to settle. We're just going to settle right where we're at. Stay right where we're at. Settle for less than what God wants us, wants for us. And He wants good things for us. And we're going to go through some difficulties to get there, but He wants good things for us. And you know how He thinks about us? You know how much He loves us. We've talked about that. You know what He calls you? You know what He calls us? He calls us the bride of Christ. I love that. We're the bride of Christ. He never once calls us His old lady. Think about that. He calls us His bride. And think about a bride for a second. Beautiful bride. Beautiful white dress. On the edge of promise. On the edge of make, taking some vows. Uh, looking forward to the future with hope. It's almost like when you think of the bride and the groom looking at each other. It's like it's a clean slate. And there's hope for the future. And, and good things can happen from that moment on. And boy, that inspires us, doesn't it? You know. He views us the way He views us as His bride. And that's inspiring because you know that a groom loves the bride and the groom will do whatever he needs to for that bride. And that's what He's done for us. I want to read some Scripture again from Revelation chapter 19, verses 5-9. through 9. Listen to this. And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye His servants, and ye that fear Him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thunderings, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to Him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and His wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of of saints and he saith unto me right blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the lamb and he saith unto me these are the true sayings of god so we see uh, we see a marriage supper being talked about here and we see the bride mentioned again and he has called us his bride and that's great and that's encouraging and that's inspirational but i'm gonna tell you again 
that following Jesus sometimes involves walking through some difficult places. It will involve walking through deserts, desert places, dry places, but not all the time. And as we go to this place, as we go to what God has for us, as we go to what God has set aside for us, as we go to what God has planned for us, we will, again, we'll walk through dry places. But the promise is that through those dry places, through those deserts, we will find streams. There will be streams in those deserts. And again, we'll find that He will bring us to a place where we can lie down beside still waters and in green pastures. And He will restore us for the journey. And he, again, He lays a table out before us in the presence of our enemies. And you've got to keep your mind and your thoughts on the fact that He's called us to a place that He's going to show us. And it's a beautiful place. It's a place where He is revealing Himself to us more. He's showing us things that we need to know to make it in this life. And He's taking us to a place where we can best use the gifts that He has given to each person. God did not save you just to plop you down in a church seat and say, give your offering and come as often as the doors are open. And that's a good little boy and a good little girl. He's called us to a place that He's going to show us. He's promised us a place that He's gone to prepare for us, but He's called us to a place that He's going to show us. And we can't say, I'm not going to go through the desert with Him. I would much rather go to the other side of the desert, and I'll wait for Him on the other side. And when He gets through the desert, I'll be right there to welcome Him out of that desert. And I'll dance with him on the mountaintops when things are good. But I don't want to go through the hard times. Let's, get, let's let him take care of all of that. And when he gets out of all that difficult stuff, I'll join him on the other side. Because I'm just not real sure. I'm not real sold on the fact that he's going to take me to a place that I'm, I'm going to like. I'm not willing to do that. So we're willing to... We're willing to let his son die on the cross for our sins. And we're willing to let him forgive us of our sins. And we're willing to let him promise us a great place in heaven with him eternally. But we're not willing to walk through the desert places knowing that he's going to be with us. With the promise that there's something, something great that he wants to do in our lives. And that he wants to give us. And church, he's given us so many scriptures to encourage us along the way because we will get discouraged. I dare say there's quite a few people in here this morning that are discouraged about some things. We've been encouraged by words of testimony. We've been encouraged by songs of praise and words from the, the encouragement from the Word of God, but there's things in our lives that are discouraging us. Thank God for scriptures that, that remind us of, of the fact that He's with us I'm not going to read it, but I want you to look at Luke chapter 14 sometime today. Read through verses 26 through 33 and realize that, yeah, the road is long. The journey is tough, but he's with me and he's going to take me to that place that he has promised me. And even so, even though we have scripture that, that tells us these things, 
you know, maybe even because of that, we're willing to say, okay, yes, I will follow Jesus. I will follow Jesus. But I'm going to tell you this as I get ready to close. That following Jesus is different. It's different than just saying, yes, I'll go to church. That's a part of it. But that's not what following Jesus is all about. And following Jesus is, is, is not all about giving a tithe and you know, being a part of a Sunday school class, even though that's part of it. You know, changing oil is an essential part of owning a car, but that's not what having a car is all about either. But following Jesus is this, and I want you to hear this, and this is kind of my point. Following Jesus, it has got to be an all-consuming lifestyle that bleeds into everything that we do, that bleeds into our school, that bleeds into our family, that bleeds into our work. It's an all-consuming thing. And that's what following Jesus is. And if we're not doing that, if that's not happening, then are we really following Jesus? I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. But would we add a verse to that old hymn, that old song, and say, I have decided to follow Jesus to Terah, I'm sorry, to Haran, but not Canaan? I, I have decided to follow Jesus till I found a place I want to settle and set my comforts down and not go any further. Do you not want God's best for you in every area of your life? Or are we just settling? Am I just settling? You know, I think most of us here today, with the exception of some of our younger ones, we've been following Jesus for a number of years. And we maybe not haven't really thought about the fact that he has called us to a place that we have never been before. And he's asked us to walk in a way that the world is not going to understand. And it's weird. We are weird to the world. And the weirder the world gets, the weirder we're going to seem to the world. And I tell you what, this world is getting weird. Weirder and weirder and weirder. And again, as they do, then to, uh, to them, we're going to be weirder and weirder as well. But we can't just decide to settle. We've got to keep moving. We've got to keep going. And I tell you what, we get hindered and we get frustrated and we have obstacles that get in our way, things that get in the way of God's will for our lives. But we've got to keep headed towards, heading towards Canaan and getting past whatever obstruction gets in the way. And not fall short of the goal. And we're going to get tired. We will get tired. But we can't just get comfortable. And we can't just settle. And, what, and you need a little bit more motivation. You need a little bit more encouragement. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever just, have you ever just stayed up late with God just because you love Him? Have you ever done that? Stayed up late with God just because you love Him? Have you ever thought about giving an offering to God? Just an offering to God instead of the 10% uh, membership dues? You ever thought about that? I wonder. 
Because God is, is calling us to do things that may not seem sensible in the eyes of men. He's calling us to do things that may not seem prudent in the eyes of men. He's calling us to do things just for the sheer joy of doing it so that we can follow Jesus. He's asking us to walk by faith and keep our eyes on Him. And sometimes the world will see that and they're going to say that's not sensible. And then even sometimes as Christians, God's calling us to places and to do things that don't seem sensible and that don't seem prudent. And you know right now the world is encouraging us to wear masks, but sometimes we use the excuse of not doing something because it's not sensible and it's not prudent. And we can wear that like a mask. And what that mask is hiding is the fact that we lack faith because we understand that God loves us with a relentless love, but maybe I don't love him at, that way like I should. And maybe I'm just going to kind of stay right here and just be okay with the way things are. But God has called us to something different. As individuals and as a church, God has called us to something better. And Abram, he was willing to do what God said. He was willing to pick up and move and go to where God called him to. And he pressed on to that other land. And when we read Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, after the, after the writer of Hebrews has reminded us of what Abram has done, then he says, Therefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Let's not settle in Haran. Let's head on to Canaan. Let's not let anything hinder us, but let's get rid of, just like it says, Throw aside any sin, any weight. Let's not let anything hinder us from following, truly following Jesus and letting Him lead us and letting Him be our guide. And let's not settle for less than God's best in our lives. As I was studying this and as I was, as I was thinking about this, I made a list of areas of my life where I have settled for less than God's best. And I knew it. And I know it. And it's obvious and I've got, I've got 12 areas here where I believe that I'm, I'm in Haran in these areas because I've settled. And I know, I know even as I live my life daily that God's got more for these and more for me in these areas. And yet I, I decide to, to settle where I'm at because it's comfortable. Are you done with being comfortable? You know, it's discouraging. It's discouraging for me <laughs> to look at this list. Because sometimes you feel, I've come a long way, baby. You know, I used to be that and I'm, now I'm this. And, you know, it's so easy to feel, I know all I've, I need to know. And I've learned all I need to learn and I've experienced all I need to experience. But that's a lie from the enemy because God has so much more. God is a blow your mind kind of God. Look at this, this gentleman back here 20 years ago. Did he think God had anything for him? How about 19 years ago? How about 18 years ago? And look at where he's at now. And I believe he's living his life expecting God to do even greater things. 
And I hope that's where all of us are. And I'm encouraged, even though I look at this list and I see all these things, I could get so discouraged. But then I hear God say the same thing to me that God said to Abram. He said, pick up and go to a land where I will tell you. Go to a land where I will show you. And I'm encouraged and I have hope that I don't have to be stagnant and I don't have to stay right where I'm at. I, do, I know this. I know if I die today, and I hope that doesn't happen, God's will be done. But if I die today, I know where I'm going. And I don't doubt it not one bit. And I don't doubt it because God's word has promised it. God himself has promised it. And he keeps his promises. And he can do anything. There's nothing he can't do. And he makes a way. And there was a day. There were, there were years in my life where I was headed. I was headed for hell. That's where I was going. But then he revealed himself to me. He showed me what was lacking in my life, that I needed him, that he had something great to give me, and all I had to do was receive it. And from that moment on, it's been a journey. And I've come a long way, like I said. I've come a long way. Yet not I, but Christ in me and Christ through me. I'm here today. I've said this many times. You're looking at the, the 19, class of 1986 Fred T. Ford High most shy person. That's me. You can look at an old yearbook and there I am. They took a picture of me and Melissa No peeking around a bookcase in the library because that's where shy people hid and tried to get away from everybody, right? I never would have imagined myself where I'm at today. But if God can take me from there and bring me here, where can he take me from here? What can he do? What does he want to do? And we settle for less. We settle for less all the time. We settle for less in our relationships. We settle for less in our health. We settle for less in our spiritual lives. In our relationship with him, we settle for less. And he's got so much more. Do you feel... Do you feel uneasy? Do you feel that something is lacking in your life as a Christian? Maybe it's because he has told us to pick up and go. And all we want to do is park it and stay. And when he has so much more, so much more. I know that God has blown your mind before. And he can do it again. And he wants to. The question is, what are we willing to get rid of? What are we willing to do 